Well, we are kicking off a new series. Can you believe Easter is only a month away? It's amazing. So we're kicking off our Easter series called What Happened on the Cross? We're going to spend five weeks. We're going to spend five weeks talking about what actually happened when Jesus died on the cross. Now, scholars might say that a Jewish prophet was executed. Historians might say that a minor rebellion was squashed. Okay? You might, if, I, if we were sitting down for coffee and I asked you, you might say something like, Jesus died for my sins. Because maybe that's what you've heard in church. Or that's what your parents have said. But what really happened? That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about what really happened. And why is this, why is this important? Well, to paraphrase a, a fairly well-known theologian, to understand the cross correctly is to understand the Bible and understand Jesus Christ. To understand the cross correctly, if you get this right, if you understand what happened here, everything else can make sense. But if you miss this, the rest of the Bible doesn't, just doesn't make sense. So I'm titling this, this particular week, Jesus Had a Particular Set of Skills. Now, most of you probably know exactly what I'm referring to here, okay? Sure enough, it's Liam Neeson in probably one of the greatest phone calls ever put to film. Um, after finishing the sermon, I actually watched this last night just because I had to, okay? <laughs> so here's, and yes, but see, so here's Liam, yeah, okay? And, but we're talking about Jesus, this is church, so maybe it should look more like this. I will look for you, I will find you, and I will save your soul, okay? But okay, so we're talking about Jesus, and so it's amazing. The cross of Christ is the greatest rescue story ever told. It is, it is the greatest rescue story, but it begs the question, what are we getting rescued from? How did this actually work? Did Jesus own a cell phone, okay? It makes you ask questions. Well, to understand these questions, first, I want to start with these little guys. Now, how many of you kind of sometimes feel like Kronk here? You got like a little angel voice on one shoulder, a little devil voice on one shoulder, and, and the angel voice is telling you to do something good, and the devil voice is telling you to do something bad, and maybe, you know what, I'm willing to bet there's something in your life where it always feels like the devil voice seems to win. I don't know what it is for you. But I bet there's something in your life where it feels like the devil voice always seems to win. It could be any number of things. Anger, jealousy, pride, overspending, drinking, smoking, porn, sex, okay? lying, gossip, laziness, hypocrisy. Take your pick. We could just go on and on with this. But my bet is there's something in your life. Okay? I want you to think of that. If it's not already just stuck in your head, I want you to think of that and remember it, okay? Because I'm going to come back to it. I'm going to come back to it. But what is that sin that you just can't seem to break? What is that habit you can't quit? What is that behavior that seems to have you trapped? The thing you keep doing and you wish you didn't. What is that for you? All right, have something in mind? Have something in mind? Okay, 
The next question is, what do we do about it? What do you do when you feel like a behavior, an action, a habit, an addiction has you trapped? What do you do? Well, to answer that question, first I want to talk about one of the big picture themes of the Bible. There, there are a handful of big picture themes. We're talking like Genesis to Revelation themes in Scripture. And I want to talk about one of them, and that is that our world is, is like a cosmic war zone. Our world is a cosmic war zone. Okay? And so to, like, I like how a local pastor, Greg Boyd, put it, he put it like this that the Bible paints this picture of God's ongoing conflict with and ultimate victory over cosmic and human agents who oppose him and threaten his creation. So maybe it kind of feels like this. Ever seen this on Facebook? Okay. Like for Jesus, scroll for Satan. Okay. First of all, this is just lame. Okay. Do not post this, please. So not only is it just lame, like, oh, I scrolled down, all of a sudden, I love Satan. Okay, really? So first of all, it's just lame. Second of all, it's really bad theology. Did you know that? This is really bad theology, because this is not how Scripture, how the Bible talks about this cosmic war zone. It is not a wrestling match between Jesus and Satan. So, I, I'm, I want to read you a verse in Genesis, and I want to read you a verse in Revelation. From the first book to the last book, the Bible paints a consistent picture of this cosmic war zone. So first, if we, if we look in Genesis, three chapters in, literally, we don't have to get any more than three chapters in, and we see the picture of what this cosmic war zone looks like. Okay? The, the serpent... The, the deceiver, the liar, the accuser, Satan, tempts Adam and Eve. They disobey God. God curses. He begins and he gives curses upon the serpent. And here is one of the things that he said to the serpent, representing Satan. Eve's offspring will crush your head and you will only strike his heel. Eve's offspring, an offspring of Eve, will crush your head, and the best you're going to get is like an ankle shot. That's three chapters into the Bible. Now, let's go to the very, very, very last book of the Bible, Revelation. Okay? In Revelation 12, there's a battle. There's a big battle between angels and demons. Okay? The angels handily win. Not even, it's not even a challenge. And, and here's what happens next in, in Revelation 12. So the great dragon was cast out of heaven. So that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. That, that, that serpent of old, Satan, is cast out of heaven. Then a few chapters later in Revelation 20, Satan is even cast out of the earth into hell for eternity. This is not an arm wrestling match. This is a cosmic battle which God wins. That is the consistent picture all throughout Scripture, Genesis to Revelation. And in between, God is consistently stronger, 
better, faster, more powerful than anything he comes up against. Whether it's human enemies, spiritual enemies, even natural enemies, God is more powerful than. So the first thing this big picture, Genesis to Revelation picture, says God defeats evil, sin, and Satan. That's the first thing we have to start with. God defeats evil, sin, and Satan. So how? How does God defeat evil, sin, and Satan? That's where the cross of Christ comes in. That's where the cross comes in. And that's what we're talking about today. So to give you a picture of how G- what it looks like for God to defeat Satan, uh, <laughs> sin, evil, and Satan, I just combined three words into one word. I just made it up. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. There you go. So, so how, do, how does God defeat it? And how does Jesus Christ, by dying on a cross, how does he defeat sin, evil, and Satan? So I'm gonna re- I, I want to share with you four verses out of the New Testament. Four verses that are some of the, the biggest, strongest, clearest, best passages that talk about what happened on the cross. So first, we're going to start with Mark, Mark 10 particularly. And here Jesus is talking, and here's what he says. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Now, the Son of Man is an Old Testament title for the Messiah, which Jesus applied to himself. So he was kind of saying, the Son of Man, in other words, Messiah, in other words, me, did not come to to serve or be served, but to serve and give his life for a ransom for many. Did you know you were held prisoner? Did you know that you were held prisoner? And some of you still are. Some of you still are held prisoner. Now, ransom, this word ransom means the price for freedom. And, and in Greek, when this word was used, in Greek it meant, it usually was used in reference to buying a slave off the slave market and, and releasing them from that, that slave market there. And that's, that's what a ransom is. And when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he paid a price to free you. So what that means is, at some point, all of us were held captive by sin, evil, and Satan. And Jesus Christ died to pay a ransom, to give us our freedom. And if you've made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, if you've made a decision to obey Jesus Christ, you are free. But if you haven't, you're still a prisoner. You're still a prisoner to sin. You're still a prisoner to evil. You're still a prisoner to Satan. That's why I say regularly around here that you personally need to make a decision to follow Christ. It's not good enough that you grew up in a Christian home. It's not good enough that you've gone to church. It's not good enough that that you try and be a good person and try and do more good stuff than bad stuff. Listen to the little angel more than the little devil. 
No, this is believing in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. That's what gets you freedom. So let's look at another verse. This one's in, in Hebrews. This one's in Hebrews. This is Hebrews 2, 14 to 15. By Jesus' death on the cross, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives have been held in slavery by their fear of death. There it is again. That's us. That's us that, that the author is talking about, who all our lives are held in slavery. Jesus Christ broke the power, not just defeated Satan. Jesus died to defeat death, but not just defeat death, not just to defeat Satan, but right now to take away Satan's power. That's why that Facebook graphic is so wrong. Because for a follower of Christ, Satan has no power. The lion has no fangs. Because of what Jesus did. And Jesus brought life. See, Satan owns death. That's what this verse describes. The, the one who owns death is Satan. So, so Satan owns death in all of its form. And that's death in your body, your soul, your family, your hope, your future, your integrity. Satan wants to bring death to all of that. But Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, brought life to all of that. He brought renewal to all of that. And he wants to bring life to you. As, as one blogger put it like this, God entered fully into the bondage of death, turned it inside out by making it a moment of victory, and thereby liberates humanity to lives of love without fear of death. Wouldn't that be amazing? If we could live lives of love without fear of death. And maybe you don't fear physical death. But how about death in your emotions, death in your families, death in your hope, death of your desires, death of your goals, death of your jobs, death of your love? Now, that's some stuff to fear. But God wants to cast out that fear. And Jesus Christ's death on the cross wants to give life to all of that. Okay, let's go to our third verse. This one's in Colossians. For Jesus has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Now, if that isn't taken, I don't know what is. The Bible literally says that Jesus rescued us. We were held captive. We were trapped. We were slaves. And Jesus rescued us from the dominion of darkness, into the, from the world of darkness into the world of light. That's what happened on the cross when Jesus died. I mean, the Bible uses a lot of words to describe us in, in our non-Jesus or pre-Jesus state. 
We're trapped. We're held captive. We're slaves. We're prisoners. And Jesus died to rescue us. And what that means is we need rescuing. And to be honest, I'm not sure I have to convince any of us here that we need rescuing. Because if you've ever tried to rescue yourself, if you've ever tried to quit that habit you can't seem to quit, if you've ever tried to control your anger, but instead it explodes. If you ever tried to control your spending, but instead you spend. If you ever tried to quit looking at porn, but instead you go back. You know you need rescuing. But the problem is we try to rescue ourselves. We try to rescue ourselves, and it can't work. Prisoners can't rescue prisoners. That's why we need Jesus. That's why Jesus on the cross was so important for us. And that's why I regularly ask you, have you made a decision to believe, follow, and obey Jesus? Because he wants to rescue you. He wants to free you. He wants to break the chains that hold on to you, that get you trapped. He wants to rescue you from that. Now, fourth, we're going to look just a chapter later in, in Colossians 2. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, Jesus made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them on the cross. Triumphing over them by the cross. Now, this is an amazing passage. It just takes a little explanation. So, so let me explain, because th th there's some so contextual, um, cultural things happening here. First, powers and authorities. What does that mean? Powers and authorities. That's a very Paul. Paul's the one who wrote the book of Colossians. He wrote many of the books in the New Testament, the, the smaller books. And that's a very common phrase that he used for spiritual powers and spiritual evils. So this starts with saying, having disarmed the spiritual power and the spiritual evils. He, Jesus, made a public spectacle. Now, what, what in the world is a public spectacle? Okay. Now, we have public spectacles but around here, but they usually just end up on TMZ. Okay. Now, back then, this public spectacle of them, this was a very specific phrase that re refrained or referred to a very specific thing. What this was, this was a common Roman war practice where the Romans were, they were the strongest army of the time. They, they, they ran the show. They literally ruled the world. And when they defeated a group of people, they would take that group of people and march them through Rome, usually naked. They'd strip them down and march them, and everyone would stand on the roadsides and cheer at or, or jeer at them, yell at them, throw food at them. It was a humiliating, degrading experience for the defeated army. And then, and then the Romans would walk by victorious. And what it was, it was a rather cruel, humiliating way to beat your opponent when, it's, when they're down. They're already defeated, but here, here's why they did it and why Paul uses this phrase. is because the Romans wanted to make very clear who was defeated and who was victorious. See, in our lives, I think we forget. I think we forget 
who was victorious and who was defeated. We often feel defeated. We often feel that kind of that Satan wins out, that evil wins out, that our addictions, our habits, our behaviors, they win out. But Paul, what Paul is saying here is that he wants to make really clear that we remember God wins. Satan, evil, and sin is defeated. And God wants to make a public spectacle and humiliation of Satan and all his little minions. And not like the cute yellow ones, the crazy purple ones, okay? Satan and all the minions, all the evil spirits, march down the center of the road, defeated and humiliated. Because we need to remember God has already won. And when you feel defeated, you need to remember who won, who lost. Because we forget that. So, what happened on the cross? What happened on the cross? We saw four things today. We saw four things. First, that Jesus Christ paid a ransom to free you. You were held captive. Jesus Christ paid a ransom to free you. Second, he broke the power of Satan. If you've ever felt that the wrong stuff you do seems to have more power in you, it doesn't. It's a lie. Because Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, he broke Satan's power. Third, and when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he rescued us. He rescued us from Satan and brought us to God. Out of the, the, the world of darkness, dominion of darkness, into the world of light. And third, he didn't just defeat Satan. He crushed and humiliated Satan and all the evil spirits. That's what happened. Now, that's one of the things. Now, we're going to spend more weeks because there are more things that happened on the cross. Don't, don't think it's just one thing. There are lots of things that happened on the cross. So what does this mean for you? What does this mean for you? Well, I think first and foremost, you don't have to live defeated. You don't have to live defeated by the sin that feels like it's defeating you. Because here's something you need to remember. The enemy will trick you into thinking that you're still struggling with something that God has already freed you from. Let me say that again. The enemy will trick you. The enemy of your heart and soul, Satan, will trick you into thinking that you're still struggling with something that God has already freed you from. Jesus Christ on the cross, dying on the cross, brings us freedom. So with whatever you're struggling with, you're not struggling with it. You're struggling with it because you've given yourself kind of back to your captor. There's a part of your life or maybe sort of your whole life you've put back in prison. Jesus Christ on the cross has already freed you from it. 
And we need to remember that. We need to remember that when, our be- when we're beating ourselves up over what we said, what we did. So now, remember back at the beginning of the sermon when I asked you to think of something, keep it back in your mind? And I throw out things like anger and jealousy and pride and overspending and drinking, smoking, porn and sex and lying and gossip and hypocrisy, laziness, all of that stuff. So here's the thing. You have it in your mind? You have it? If you believe in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross, you are free. You are not a prisoner. You are not held captive to that behavior. You are not a slave to that sin. You are free. But what it means is each morning we have to wake up and get our eyes back on the cross. Get our hearts back on Jesus. Because we all know when we don't, it does not take long for our hearts and our lives and our thoughts to go off the road and back to Satan who held us captive once. And whether you've been a Christian your whole life or whether you chose to believe in Christ as a teenager or maybe as an adult or maybe you're sitting right here wondering, have I actually decided to follow Jesus? Wherever you're at, you can turn your hearts, turn your minds, turn your thoughts back to the cross because that is where freedom lies. You want freedom from your addictions? At the cross. You want to break your habits? At the cross. You want to stop doing the thing you wish you, you could stop doing? At the cross. That's where we have to go back to every single time. And I know from my own life, and I'm guessing a lot of you know as well, when we don't go back to that, we go long enough without thinking about that, those old habits creep back up. So you are not trapped. Don't believe the lie from Satan that you are struggling with something that God has already freed you from. Be thankful, be joyful, be overblown, be filled with tears over the freedom Christ gave you right at the cross. Because you see, I want to be a church of free people. I don't don't want River Life to be a church of slaves to sin. I don't want River Life to be filled with, with pews filled full of people going back to the same addictions and forgetting about Jesus on the cross. Because when we're slaves, we're miserable. When we're held captive, we're miserable. And we're miserable to ourselves and we're miserable to everyone else around us. You're miserable to your wives, your husbands, your kids, your mom, your dad, your coworkers, because we take it out all on them. And then you take it out on your church. You take it out on your family here at church. So I want River Life to be a place of freed people. And if you've ever watched a movie about slavery and you see moments of freedom, you see the, um, and it is moving, it is incredible, and it is amazing, and it's, it, it brings you to tears. 
to watch slaves in the early U.S. freed. You can be freed. And all it takes is saying yes to Jesus Christ. And if you've already said yes to Jesus Christ, then maybe it means saying yes again and again and again and remembering what happened on the cross. Join me in prayer.